Uh, amen. Praise the Lord, sisters. Always nice to come to a sister's meeting. Amen. Enjoy the exercise of the Spirit, the release of the Spirit. And um, to see you taking such a good interest to come. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Isn't this touching, this section here? Did you see what it says here on halfway down? It says, the evil condition of the wicked is that they do not come to the Lord to eat and enjoy the Lord. Uh, are you a wicked person? Well, that's, that's how God classifies wickedness. A person who does not come to him, eat him and enjoy him. They do many things, but they do not come to contact the Lord to take him, to receive him, to taste him, to enjoy him. In the sight of God, nothing is more evil than this. Yeah, so, you know, you have, you have many <clears throat> parables where the Lord presents himself as a feast, right? And uh, then people didn't want to come. So, you know, he, he was very upset. And so we, we have a situation where the Lord has presented himself in a rich way to be our supply, to be our enjoyment. And our response should be, we are here to eat him, to enjoy him, to partake of him. So this first message, if you look at the title of this first message, <clears throat> is taking the way of enjoying Christ. Amen. That's the way we want to take, the way of enjoying Christ. Amen. Sisters, what are you here for tonight? Amen. That's what we're here for. We're here to enjoy Christ as the tree of life for the accomplishing of God's economy. So we need to eat the tree of life, to have the tree of life, so that God's purpose can be fulfilled. If God's purpose is not fulfilled, um, then uh, everything is a waste, uh, a loss. So you may, uh, you may have figured out already that uh, we're looking at messages from the Memorial Day conference that was just recently given. How many of you uh, saw those messages? Okay, so maybe a third. So those of you who saw it, if you want to go home, you can go home now. Uh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but I don't know what your impression was, but, but my impression was, well, I really need this. I really need this. And um, I've, been, I've been thinking about this and speaking about this uh, ever since that conference. And I have the feeling I, I need to have change my way, to take the way of eating the Lord, enjoying the Lord as the tree of life. You know, it's so easy for us to do other things and to do good things and to do scriptural things, but miss the main thing. The main thing is to enjoy Christ as the tree of life. All the other things that we do are not that important. And uh, they, will, they will pass. Somebody else will do it or whatever. But to enjoy the Lord as a tree of life, that's crucial. And we need, and, you know, uh, Brother Lee said, uh, we need a drastic change and a change in our concept. So hopefully in this, in this uh, meeting, we will have a change of our concept from what we considered before 
as value, valuable, necessary for us to practice, and then change to see now we need to take away of enjoying the Lord as life, eating him as a tree of life. So for the background of this, uh, if you look at Roman numeral 1, it says, in Genesis 2, we see two choices before man, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, one of the sisters who was at the conference uh, we had, we, we showed here for the Memorial Day, she said she thought the two trees were the good tree and the evil tree. And don't you think most people are on that tree? There's uh, the good tree and the evil tree. The knowledge of good and evil. It's not there's a good tree over here and the good people are on that and there's an evil tree over here and the evil people are eating of that tree. It's not. There's one tree, has one branch, is good and the other branch is evil. But same source, the same tree. So the two trees... Uh, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then, praise the Lord, there's the tree of life, uh, which represents the Lord himself as life. So, A says the two trees show that in the universe there are two wills, two sources, two possibilities for man to choose with his free will. So the interesting thing is that when God created us, he created us with a will to choose. He didn't block us from taking that tree. He gave us the freedom to choose. And you know, big people give others choice. Narrow people don't. You know, and you know, the, the broader uh, a person's heart is, the more embracing he is. God is like that. He says, here I am. Choose me. You don't have to. You can go that other way if you like. But here I am, uh, choose me. Um, and so in presenting, you know, the, the two trees in the Garden of Eden uh, to Adam and Eve, he gave them the freedom to choose. And tonight, we all have the freedom to choose. You have to choose. Actually, not just tonight, tomorrow. All the time, there's, there's that choice. Are we going to take the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Evaluate everything based on good and evil, or are we going to take the way of life? There's this, there's this choice that uh, God uh, gave us. So we have to, we see there's two wills. There's a satanic will, and there's the divine will, right? And there's the two sources. There's the satanic life. The evil thing is, and we'll see this later, uh, that that tree is not just knowledge, it actually has a source, and that source is Satan. And the, the end result is you become satanified and, and has in death. Amen. So let's choose life. Amen. You know, in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death. This is Moses speaking. I have set before you life and death. Blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that you and your seed may live. 
Amen. We are the ones who choose life. Amen. You know, you face a situation, it's a choice. Do I watch that and get dead or do I choose life? Do I do this or do I choose life? Do I go there or do I choose life? Amen. So let's take the wise way and choose life. Amen. So B says, the tree of life signifies Christ. You know, I don't know where people got this crazy idea, but they made it an apple tree. <laughs> oh, you know, these trees. Are, you know, they're not literal trees. Have you ever seen a tree that has knowledge on it? There's good knowledge and evil knowledge? No, it's, it's a figure of speech. It signifies something. And the tree of life is not a, not a literal tree. It actually depicts Christ as life, as the person. So you, you have, on, on one hand, you have this knowledge, to live by knowledge of good and evil, his satanic source, right? But to, to have the tree of life, it actually signifies Christ, who's the embodiment of the triune God, as life to man in the form of food. It's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, the Lord said, eat of this tree. How many things can you eat? You might say, oh yeah, I can eat a banana or an apple or something like that. I don't mean that. What kind of things can you eat? You can feast on it. I know Joshua, when he was a young person, he ate computer games. <laughs> he was fat on computer games, right? This is like people can feed on these kind of things. And so, you know, <clears throat> the Lord presents himself in, as the tree of life, as food for us to eat. We can eat Jesus. Amen. Oh, man. When we first touched the Lord's recovery, and uh, we're talking about eating Jesus, some of our Christian friends were so offended. It sounds barbaric, like cannibals. You know, eating Jesus? No, no. We respected Jesus. We trusted Jesus. We prayed to Jesus. We honored Jesus. Eat him. Never heard of that. Never heard of that. But that's what the Lord said. He who eats me shall live because of me. So the Lord actually is the tree of life for, for us uh, to eat. And to enjoy. Don't you enjoy food? You enjoy your dinner tonight? Yeah, it's nice, huh? So, when you eat the Lord, there's a satisfaction and the enjoyment. And then, it's not just that so you're going to be a happy person. And you will be a happy person. But it's not just that, is it? Why do you eat? You eat so you could be constituted. Right? As we take in the Lord, as we feast on the Lord, we get constituted with Him. It's our digestion. Eventually, we get constituted, and it's for His glory, His corporate expression. And it will accomplish God's original intention concerning the eternal economy. <laughs> you know, 
If you eat Jesus, do you know what the result is? You're going to be glorious. That's what God created you for. Yeah, there's a, there's a really nice reference. Uh, Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created, formed, even made for my glory. What were you made for? Not that he has glory that you are there, but that you have him as glory. You get constituted with him. You are the same as he is. What's the, what's the last step of God's organic salvation? Glorification. So God's intention is that as we partake of him and eat of him, get constituted with him, eventually we express him. You know, when people are filled with the Lord and prophesy, they look beautiful. Girls look beautiful when they're filled with the Lord and prophesy. That's why one of the brothers, one of the elders told uh, the young brothers, don't look at the young sisters when they prophesy. <laughs> don't look at them. You'll think they're really like that all the time. No, they're only like that when they're prophesying. Right? <laughs> right. But anyway, anyway, for us, for us, if you want to be a glorified person, if you want to be glorious, if you want to fulfill God's purpose, what should you do? Eat Jesus. Eat him. He's the tree of life. You have to eat him and, and feast on him. Um, you know, there are a lot of references here and we'd take all night if we wanted to go through them all. But it's good. It's good for you to have some time maybe even after the conference uh, or training, uh, to get into that. Amen? Okay, so <clears throat> one under B, the tree of life, the tree of God, the God tree, is the center of the universe. Why, why do we say it's the center of the universe? Because when God created man, he put him in a garden and in the middle of the garden, he put the tree of life. Showing, this is the focus that God has. This is the focus. My focus is this tree. And guess where he put the man? He didn't stick him out by the fence. They stuck him right in front of the tree. Right? It's the center. So it should, be, it should become the center you know, of, our, of our life. And two says, the Old Testament begins with the tree of life. So you have that in Genesis 2.9. And the New Testament ends with the tree of life. So you have the tree of life at the beginning and the tree of life at the end. Thus, the thought of God being man's life runs through the entire divine revelation. Now, if you have a religious background, you need a drastic change in your concept. If you have a worldly background, you need a drastic change in your concept. You know, it, it's, we, we need to see God's purpose, God's intention, is that man would receive him as life. And that line runs right through the whole Bible, depicted by the tree of life in the beginning and at the end. What's going to be at the end? The tree of life? growing on either side of the river of life, 
flowing from the throne of God, satisfying every person in the New Jerusalem. Get used to eating the tree of life. Right? That's our destiny. That's our destiny. Amen. Praise the Lord. So 3 says, God placing man in front of the tree of life indicates that God wanted man to receive him as his life by eating him organically and assimilating him metabolically so that God might become the very constituent of man's being. So that's transformation, isn't it? We eat the Lord, there's a metabolic change that takes place, just discarding the old, adding the new, and there's something new that becomes. And man actually, you know what man ends up becoming? If you eat God, you become God. Don't nutritionists say you are what you eat? Right? You can paint yourself up, cover up all the blemishes, or you can eat properly and have a good expression of life. So, if you eat God, it just makes sense. You become God. You're assimilating Him, and eventually you're the same. You know, how could you be glorious if you don't eat God? Glory is the expression of God. You know, I tell the trainees, when you talk about girls, you say they are beautiful. All the sisters are beautiful. How, what about men? Do you call men beautiful? What do you say about men? Handsome. All the men are handsome. What do you say about God? Do you call God beautiful? Do you call him handsome? You call him glorious. That's the expression of God. That's an attribute of God. It's glory. But you... By eating him, became this, become the same as he is. So this is, this is God's purpose, that as we eat him, we actually become the same as he is. Praise the Lord. Amen. C says, <clears throat> the tree of knowledge of good and evil signifies Satan as the source of death to man. Whoa. So, you know, it's not like, ah, oh, it's a good tree. I'm getting good stuff. You know, I'm a good person. I do good things. How many times do you preach the gospel to somebody and they go, I'm a good person. I do good things. I think I'm okay. God, God will be happy with me. I think he'd be happy to have me in heaven. You know, they, they, they talk like this, right? They don't realize actually good has one source. What is the source of good? The source of good is Satan. You know, if, if you're a good person, you may not think you need God. You may not think you need God. That's satanic. That's a satanic influence. It's a substitute, right? So, you look at... Well, you don't have, I've got the verse here, but it says, let me read Hebrews 2.14. Since therefore the children have shared in blood and flesh, right? we are all blood and flesh, right? We are like the children, right? He also himself, in like manner, partook of the same. That's the Lord Jesus. He took on flesh and blood like us, okay? 
that through death he might destroy him who has the might of death, that is the devil. So the devil is the source of death. He has the might of death. So you, you, come, you come to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do you expect to get? You think you're going to get knowledge of what's good and what's wrong. Actually, you get death. Even, even Paul says in, in Corinthians, the letter kills. Even God's word can kill a person. They're in the wrong realm. They're not coming to the Lord as life, as the source, but rather coming to knowledge. Do you want to know more about the Lord? Well, be careful. Be careful. The best way to know more about the Lord is to eat Him. I remember when we first touched the Lord's recovery, I used to feel condemned when I just read the Bible. I should be eating Him. You know? Of course, of course we read, but we, we want to make sure when we read, we exercise our spirit. We, we just don't read as a duty because you can just take your knowledge, even good knowledge, even scriptural knowledge, but okay, have you ever, have you ever had the feeling, I should read so much, and after you read it, you don't feel that good? You feel tired? You feel oh, dead? Glad that's over. You know, fulfill. <laughs> Fulfill my duty kind of thing, right? That, that's, that's the realm. That's the realm of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even if it's from the Bible. So you have to realize that tree has the source of Satan, which is death. The serious stuff, right? So one says, it also signifies that all things apart from God, all things apart from God, for anything that is not God himself, including good things and even scriptural things and religious things, can be utilized by Satan, the subtle one, to bring death to man. They just get utilized. John, John 5, you have a reference there, John 5, 39. It's, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in these you have eternal life and it is these that testify concerning me and you won't come to me that you may have life. So you can be diligently studying the scriptures like the, the Pharisees were, the scribes were in the New Testament. But they didn't come to Jesus. Actually, they studied it and found out he's wrong. And we had to crucify him. Right? He was actually the one who wrote the scriptures. So the scriptures are about him, but they, they, they were really in the, on the tree of knowledge of evil there, for sure. But the Lord said, you, you read the scriptures, but you won't come to me. Come to me that you might have life. So, you know, we have pray reading. We should have come to Jesus reading. You know, the tree of life is a person. It's not a thing. It's not, it's not just a principle. It's actually a person. And the Lord said, you need to come to me that you may have life. 
So Satan can utilize good things, even scriptural things, religious things. Is that, is that true? Does he use religious things? Oh man, I remember one time we, we were traveling around New Zealand visiting all the homes. I was, this is a kind of a mission. I visited every home in New Zealand. Gave a gospel of John. And um, we went to this, pers this person's place and this lady came out and we said we're, 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 we're distributing the gospel of John free to everyone. So I already have a Bible. I'm an Anglican. And I said, oh, we're staying with reverence. such as such. And she said, the very reverend. <laughs> huh? So here was a person uh, pickled with religion, religious view, absolutely close to the Lord, full of religious self-righteousness. Oh Lord, may you save us. Not just be a good person, or just a scriptural person, or a religious person, but be a life person. Do you know any life people? You know, you know when you meet a life person? You know when you meet a dead person, don't you? I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, when I was a young Christian, we preached the gospel a lot on the street with a group, and um, there were some guys that were theological students, and they would come and debate with us about predestination, free will, and all this kind of stuff. I hardly knew what they're talking about, but I was just a young Christian. I thought, man, what's wrong with these guys? They should be preaching the gospel, not arguing about this kind of stuff. People need life, not convinced on these kind of things. So here, you know, scriptural, so-called, uh, but on the wrong tree. And when you talk like that, people end up with a dead sense. We, 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 we want to talk and people get, oh, hallelujah, amen. Get revived, get, get enlightened, get supplied. Amen. So two says, uh, good and evil are not signified by two trees, but by one tree. The second tree, thus seeking good other than God, belongs to Satan. Oh, Lord. So, it's not just one tree. It's not... You, you have good and evil are not signified by two trees, like I illustrated, but it's one tree. So, you seek good. You know... If you've been a bad person, and probably most of you have, <laughs> to some degree or other, right? Like me. Um, when, when you believe in the Lord, what's the feeling that you have? I should be good. You feel you should be good now. You shouldn't, shouldn't do those things I used to do. But when you do that, You've just moved to this satanic tree. It doesn't seem bad. It's not bad, it's good. But it's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not God's tree. It's not the God tree. It's not the life tree. 
most young Christians really stumble on this point. Because it's hard to be good. It's really hard to be good. Yeah. Verse 3 says, The genuine good, say it, is God himself. Hence, gaining God equals to gaining the genuine good. So you have these uh, interesting verses here, Matthew. And, and he said to him, Why do you ask me concerning what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you want to enter into life and keep the commandments. And he went out into the road, and someone ran to him, and kneeling before him asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He was up the good branch of that tree, right? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except one God. The psalmist, he, he, he had the revelation. He said, I say to Jehovah, You are my God. No good have I beyond you. Amen. So, so when we talk about good, we're talking about God. But when you're on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that good is satanic, has a satanic source, satanic origin. Amen. Okay, D, the tree of life, oh wow, this is wonderful. The tree of life causes man to be dependent on God. But the tree of knowledge causes man to rebel against God and be independent from him. You know, you, you just think, <clears throat> you go to university to learn something. Eventually, you know as much or possibly even more than the lecturer. And so you go, bye-bye. I don't need you. I'm, I'm going on my own field of, of studies. When you, when you learn and take the way of knowledge, you become an independent person. You become an independent person. But life makes you dependent. Hedy, are you a dependent person? Well, you... Physically, you're dependent. You're dependent on air. You're dependent on water. You're dependent on food. Right? You're dependent on your husband. Uh, <laughs> you know, but when, when, you're, when you know enough, you can be independent. Like, I remember one time, one of the brothers had a building company, and uh, one, of, one of his apprentices, as soon as, as, soon as he finished his apprenticeship, just left and started building himself. I don't need you, you know. I've learned enough. I'm independent. I've started my own company now, my own business. That's what knowledge does. Don't get knowledge that makes you independent from God. And that's, that, that was um, Satan's intention, right? Genesis 3, 5, it says, God knows that in the day you eat, this is Satan talking to Eve, in the day you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. 
You don't need to ask God anymore. You, you'll be able to figure it all out yourself. That was the temptation, to be independent of God. Yeah. Yeah, our whole society is building up independence. Right? We, want to, we want to develop a dependent life, dependent on the Lord, eating him. So one says, eating indicates dependence. That God is our food signified by the tree of life means that we must depend on God continually. Did you, did you get a bit of dinner tonight? Do you want to have some supper? How about some breakfast tomorrow? Then morning tea. Oh, you girls, you put on weight this weekend. Uh, then, then we have lunch. Then we have afternoon tea. Then we have dinner. Then we have supper. And then we become roly-poly, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, we're dependent. We're dependent on food. We, we need food. Yeah, I can remember, I can remember being, being surprised that doctors were really concerned that patients weren't eating. And I'm thinking, well, well that's pretty common. What are they worried about that for? You know, they should get onto the disease or get onto, you know, taking care of what the problem is. But if you don't eat, you're going to die. No matter how good your doctor is. If you don't eat, you're going to die. So we, we, need, we need to practice eating. Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. The tree of knowledge indicates independence. In the eyes of God, man's first sin and the greatest sin is independence. It's his first sin and the greatest sin. Took away of turning away from God. Independence. The two trees, E, the two trees issue in two lines, two ways, the way of life and the way of death that runs through the entire Bible and end in the book of Revelation. So two lines, two ways. Amen. The way of life and the way of death. You know, it's like, it's the tree of life and it's the tree of death. You know, if... If it was called the tree of death, I don't think Eve would have fallen for it, right? So death is disguised as knowledge, good knowledge and evil knowledge, but it's death. So one says, death begins with the tree of knowledge. Where does it end? Ends in the lake of fire. Oh, Lord Jesus. So the Lord said to, to Adam and Eve, the day you eat it, you'll surely die. They, they thought they were going to die physically, but they got cut off from the life. Right? And then it says, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Praise the Lord. And death in Hades we're cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death, the lake of fire. Ultimately, death will be over. Satan will be over. Right? Okay, so two says, life, praise the Lord, begins with a tree of life and ends with the new Jerusalem, the city of water of life. My goodness. 
you know, death begins with the tree of knowledge and ends in the lake of fire. Life begins with the tree of life and look what it does. It makes you and me the new Jerusalem, the eternal dwelling of God. And it's a city of life. You know, you've got in Revelation 22, when he says, he showed me a river of water, of life. And then it says, and on this side and on that side of the river was the tree of life. What is the new Jerusalem? It's life city. It's the city of life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, sisters, are you convinced that there are two trees? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's its source? What's the result? Are there two trees, a good tree and a bad tree? No, it's the one tree. Right? Has the source of Satan. Here you have the tree of life. What's the source? God. What's the result? Life. Producing. Accomplishing God's eternal purpose. Making us God men. Isn't it wonderful? That you can eat this tree, you become the same as the Lord. You eat that tree, you become satanified. Amen? Okay. Roman numeral 2. How about you read Roman numeral 2 strongly? So we stay on the way of life, right? Brother Lee said he realized he took the wrong way, right? The religious way that he was on. His way of reading the Bible, his way of praying, his way of working. He realized a wrong way because he wasn't taking the way of life. Right? So we must stay on the way of life. You can start on the way of life and leave it. Maybe tomorrow. You might resolve tonight, yeah, I'm a life man or I'm a life lady. Right? Yes, but tomorrow somebody says something and then you, 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 you've gone off on the tree of knowledge, you know? <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. When people speak to you, they can, they can put you on either tree. Right? <laughs> when. <laughs> When people say something in the form of a question, often it puts you in that realm. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. See if I can see if I can put you in the wrong realm. Do you think it's right that we should have so many Zoom conferences? If you didn't hear that question. You'd be, oh man, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the brothers ministering to us. I'm enjoying the fellowship. And then somebody says, I think there's too many Zoom conferences. And you go, well, how many have we had? Do you know how many we've had since the pandemic? 20. 20. 21. Yeah, it's like 10 a year. Well, it's not quite as good as the tree of life in the New Jerusalem because it bore fruit 
every month. We only, we've missed two months, right? It's not quite that good. But you understand what I mean? So as soon as people say something like that, it's very easy for you to be, oh, yeah, yeah. And how come Ron Kankers came three times? That's over the top, you know. And, and, and then, oh, yeah. Why didn't, why didn't we get, um, why didn't we get Brother X? How come Ron came so much? People talk like this. And what it does, it just brings you into this tree. And you're thinking, well, what's good and what's wrong? And you are dead. <laughs> but somebody says, somebody says, wow, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the Memorial Day conference. Amen. Amen. What did you enjoy? And then you say something and you're full of life. Life is flowing. And we'll see, we'll see later in the week. We can speak life to people. Amen. Amen. So we must stay on the way of life, the line of life, in the maintenance of life. You know, life needs to be maintained. Right? You have to maintain it. You have to keep working on it. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, I prayed, I prayed yesterday, had a good prayer, probably don't need to pray now for, you know. They, they, they have this saying, I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, seven days without prayer makes one week. Life needs to be maintained. Life needs to be maintained. Uh, and you, you maintain life by enjoying Christ as the tree of life. Was it, was it George Mueller? I think he said something like this. Um, his, his, chief, his chief purpose every day was to enjoy the Lord. Keep his soul happy in the Lord. Right? Don't have morning revival and end up. Yeah, I have morning revival today, yeah. <laughs> if you have morning revival, you should be happy, right? There should, should be some joy there. So enjoying Christ as a tree of life. And listen, this results in the building up, right? We grow in life and it produces God's building. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Okay, wonderful. Man, you know, the brothers who formed this outline are just... Now we, we could we could spend the whole week just on this this one outline. Of course we will, won't we? When we get morning revival, we'll be a whole week on it. Praise the Lord. Okay, hey, we stay on the way of life. Hey, Amen. How do you do that? By living and serving according to the principle of life, not according to the principle of right or wrong. Now, this this point really helped me. This point. We must live and act according to the inner sense of life in our spirit. The leading of life, not according to right and wrong. So, because the Lord is within us as a person, when we're when we facing something, 
he has feelings. He might have a reaction or he, he may a negative reaction to something we're thinking of saying or thinking of doing. And, and we might think, well, it's true anyway, I'm going to say it. But we just have a feeling, don't say it. Right? But we go, I'm going to say it anyway. And after you've said it, you feel dead. You feel dead. But when you follow the sense of life and, and maybe you stop yourself from saying something, you have a sense of joy. You have an uplifting sense. And one of the brothers, he, he likened it to uh, a rising or waning of life. Is, is your, and you're talking to somebody, is life going like this or is it going like that? Your joy, is it going up or is it going down? The sense of life within us. Do you all know what we mean when we say the sense of life within? Do you all know what we mean? You know, it's not, it's not your conscience. It's the, your spirit with a sense of life in it. Conscience will tell you you're wrong. But it won't necessarily tell you you're dead. But the sense of life will. Have you talked to somebody and afterwards felt really kind of depressed? That's death. That's death. Have you talked to somebody and felt really encouraged? That's life. So this verse is saying, or this point is saying, we, we should live and act according to the sense of life. You're a life person. The Lord is in you as life, giving you all kinds of sensations. Praise the Lord. When we respond when we respond positively, life gets higher and higher. Amen. But, you know, it's quite possible you can talk yourself and others into a hole. There's a lot of things to talk about that can put you in a hole. But, you know, we just, we just minister life, revelation to one another, and enjoyment to one another. It just uplifts you know, I've sometimes found out a person as a Christian and I go, praise the Lord. And they go, yeah, I know that. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, duh, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when somebody goes, praise the Lord. Amen. 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 You know, you just, you just meet, you meet somebody and find out they're a Christian and, and you just say something about the Lord. They say something about the Lord. The feeling of life rises up. You know, you say something about the Lord. Yes, rises up. And then they ask, what church you go to? <laughs> you know, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, a, you know, a conflict. It's, we have to care for life. You know, one brother one time said, what church you go to? He said, does it matter? Does it matter? Does it? What matters? Eating Jesus matters. Being on the tree of life matters. Not arguing which, which church is right and which church is wrong. Amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. The standard, too, the standard for Christian living is the presence, 
of the indwelling Christ within us. It is not a question of what is right or wrong, but of whether or not the divine life within us agrees with something. <laughs> you, have a, you have a case here, Matthew 17. Yeah, this is when the Lord took uh, you know, the disciples up to the mountain and, and uh, you know, Moses and Elijah appeared and, uh, and Jesus was transfigured and Peter goes, Wow! Let's make three tabernacles. Oh, there's Moses, fantastic, the lawgiver. Elijah, wow, the prophet. And Jesus, woo, let's make three. And then God said, This is my beloved son, hear him. Forget Moses, forget Elijah. Boom, they all disappeared. It was only, only Jesus left. You know, what, what does that mean? It mean you, you, can, you can focus on the law, God gave it. But it's not what God's economy is. And the prophets, it's not what God's economy is. Christ is God's economy. He's the tree of life. He's the one you should hear. He's the one you should talk about. Yeah, so it says, uh, and, they, and, and when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus only. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Don't you want to be like that? So when you see somebody, you see the law. Hey, why are they dressed like that? Why are they dressed like that? The Bible says you shouldn't dress like that. You're Moses. Right? Don't. Try only to see Jesus. Amen. Then you'll have a happy life. Amen. Okay? So, we stay on the way of life by following the sin with sense. Then B, stay on the way of life by loving the Lord to the uttermost and drawing others to run after him. Amen. Well, you know, Emmy Barber, that, uh, that dear sister who helped watch my knee uh, so much as a young man, um, she, she had a comment on, on this verse, Matthew twelve thirty, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And she said, Thank you, Lord, for such a commandment. Yeah. You know, last night was quite funny. Um, we woke up in the middle of the night, Pauline and I, and uh, I don't know why, but she said to me, I really love you. <laughs> and then she asked, Do you love me? <laughs> and I said, of course. <laughs> and then she said, yeah. But like Mark Rabbi said, I told you when we got married, I don't need to tell you anymore. <laughs> this, is, this is in the middle of the night. You know, that's the most important thing in marriage, isn't it? Huh? Do you want to live with somebody you don't like? You, know, you can be a poor, per, poor couple, but love one another, you're really happy. You can be rich, don't like one another, and be miserable. Right? You have a big house or a small house or no house, you know. It's love that matters. So, you know, how do you stay in the way of life? You have to love the Lord. The Lord's a person. He's a person. You need to love him. Love him to the uttermost. And you know, the interesting thing, if you are a lover of Jesus, you draw others to him. You draw others to him. He's attractive. 
Amen. One says, to enjoy Christ as a tree of life, we must tell him all the time. Amen. What should we say? Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. If we have a burning love toward the Lord Jesus, giving him the first place in all things, we will enjoy all that he is. Amen. Wow. You know, Revelation 2.4 is a very serious verse. It's to the church in Ephesus and Revelation. And the Lord said, I have one thing against you, that you have left your first love. All right? They, they had a lot of good things. You know, he commands them on a lot of things. But he said, I got this against you. You don't love me anymore. You don't love me anymore. You left your first love. So, to stay on the way of life, what do we do? Lord Jesus, I love you. You know, for some reason, it's, your, your feeling follows your words. When you tell a person you love them, you know, for some reason, you feel more love to them. Right? That's why wives like their husbands to say, I love you. Right? Two, okay? To enjoy Christ as a tree of life, oh, we must betroth people to him. Do you know what this means? Betrothed, you know what betrothed means? It's to get somebody engaged. To enjoy Christ as a tree of life, we must betroth people to him, bringing them into a genuine appreciation, love, and enjoyment of the precious person of the Lord Jesus. You lead somebody to love the Lord, to believe into the Lord. You know what happens? Your love increases. Your love increases. Your appreciate. You see them appreciating and wow, your appreciation increases. Now Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 too, this is a very serious verse. He says, I'm jealous over you with a jealousy of God. For I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. So here, here Paul expressed an attribute of God. He was like God. His feeling was God's feeling. He said, I am jealous over you with the jealousy of God. God is jealous about you. And I'm jealous. I got you engaged to him and you've gone off with somebody else. God is jealous about that. You know, jealousy is a fantastic attribute to have. You know, if you're not jealous, you, you don't care what happens to people. Right? So, if a, if a husband is not jealous about his wife talking to somebody else, what, what can happen to the marriage? Right? So it's like, don't you talk to anybody else. That's a sign of love. You might think it's a sign of control. No, it's not. It's a, it's, it's a sign of love. It's a sign of love. I don't care who you talk to. There's a free world. Yeah, 
Talk to anybody. Go out with anybody. I don't care. What kind of... No. No, you've got to have jealousy of God. And then listen, listen to what he says next. Listen, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11. I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your thoughts would be corrupted from the simplicity and purity toward Christ. So he's saying, I'm, I'm jealous with God's jealousy. And then he goes back to the Garden of Eden. And he says, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your thoughts, knowledge, your thoughts would be corrupted from the simplicity and purity toward Christ. So what happened to Eve? She took all the fruit of knowledge and what happened? Her thoughts were corrupted. She was made in God's image to be filled with God, to express God, right? To every day or every evening, they fellowship with God. God was in the process of infusing them, you know, bringing them to the point they could take the tree of life and have him as life. They're working toward that. And then the thoughts got corrupted from that. Oh, if I just eat this, mm, if I know this, um, I won't even have to bother about having a time with the Lord at night. Right? The thoughts got corrupted. And then, then he said, that got corrupted from the simplicity and purity toward Christ. You know, here's my cup of water. Pure water, right? Nothing else. There's no tea in it, no coffee, no sugar, no flavoring. Just pure water. Purity means nothing else. Just, that's what the thing is. It's just water. Pure. Okay. Your purity toward Christ means nothing else. No one else. Just him. I'm for him. Are you pure toward Christ? Have your thoughts been corrupted by reasonings, by thoughts, and so you're not pure toward Christ? You know, when a person first gets saved, has a genuine experience of the Lord. Generally, they're really pure. They haven't got corrupted yet. They're really pure. They just want to be for the Lord, want to love the Lord, want to testify to the Lord, and just willing to give up everything for the Lord. That's a, that's the purity. Just then, then somebody comes along and says, "You don't have to be extreme. You don't have to be extreme. You know, you don't need to do that. Don't don't give all your money away. Keep some for a rainy day. You know, just." You know, and so, so now, now you, you, you don't have the purity. And it's simplicity. You know what that means? It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Do you live a simple life or a complicated life? What's a simple life? Amen, Lord. That's simple. Whatever. Amen. I was happy to hear a lot of amens tonight. You know, one thing I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about our full-time training is not enough amens. And when, when we listen to the trainees in Myanmar, whoa, they're like a thunder of amens, right? Right? Yeah, amen is simplicity. Yeah. 
So go to sister's training. Amen. Amen. Well, what about, uh, what about, uh, uh, complicated. Right? Loss of simplicity. And I'm not saying everybody should be here. Praise the Lord for 450 on Zoom. God bless you. But it's, you're not having as much fun as we are. <laughs> you know, you, know you, can't, you, you can't beat the face-to-face. You know, the next thing, next best thing to face-to-face is FaceTime. Before the meeting, we had FaceTime with Singapore and Malaysia. FaceTime with three brothers before the meeting. That's really lovely. But it's anticipation of being face-to-face, being able to visit them and blend with them. So it's a big thing, sister, it's a big thing to have simplicity and purity. Don't have anything else. You know, Paul's thought was, I got you engaged. I got you engaged to Christ. Just be for him. Any sisters here that are engaged? Any, any engaged here? I mean, not yet married, but they are engaged. Not to the Lord, I mean to some, <laughs> some brother. No, no, no sisters engaged here. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you. I'll tell you something wonderful about my wife. She, before we married, she lived with her brother in Auckland. And I, um, I had one of my best friends. He went to Auckland for work for, for a week or so. And, um, and then he, he was friends with Pauline's brother and, and her. They were all kind of friends, all knew one another. And he invited her out for a meal. And she said no. And he came back and he told me, you know, because he wasn't, he, he liked her sister, he didn't like her, you know. And, and, um, and he, he said to me, you know, I asked Pauline to go out for a meal and uh, she said no. I said, amen. <laughs> She's the one. Right? Yeah, it's like, there's the purity, the simplicity. Amen. Yeah. Okay? Okay, C. We stay on the way of life by eating Jesus through pray reading the word, musing on the word, ministering the word as the spirit to others by the exercise of our spirit of faith. Wow. So we pray read, right? We muse and we minister it with our spirit and that's when we're in that state, we're really in life. You need, you need not only pray reading and musing, but you need ministering. You know, one of our dear brothers, he passed away now, but he's really a dear, dear brother. And a real good gospel preacher and lover of the Lord. Brother Howard, he read a lot of hymns. And he said to, he said to one brother one, one evening, he said, man, I'm so depressed today. I've got to go out and preach the gospel. So how to overcome depression is go tell somebody about the Lord, how good the Lord is, right? And then the flow comes, the Spirit comes. Amen? Amen. Okay, so one says, we must enjoy Him in the Word early in the morning to have a new start each day. 
And we must receive his word with much and careful consideration. So we love the Lord. We get up and give time to the Lord every day. You know, maybe young mums, they might have somebody else wake them up and disturb them first thing. But even, even then, even then, you can use some of that time you're feeding the baby. Or something. You can still use that time to turn to the Lord, to pray, read something, and, and muse on the Word. We, we have to maintain our feeding on the Word to maintain our freshness with the Lord. You, you just have to do it. Um, we must seek Christ in all... Sorry, we must speak Christ to all kinds of people daily in season and out of season. Amen? Desperately endeavoured to build up a habit of speaking in any meeting. Well, not only speaking to people, but how about, how about build up the habit? Every meeting you'll speak. Susan, do you speak in every meeting? Huh? Not, not, not all the time, okay? Be desperate to have a change. Speak in every meeting. Yeah, have that kind of aspiration. I, I, I just, I don't know, but I don't want to embarrass the trainee sisters, but I, I go to the meeting and they're all sitting in a row and half the meetings, they just don't say anything. What's that? You humble yourself. I know another definition for humble, but I won't say it. Right? You know, if, if you consider, if you consider from your experience, if you speak in a meeting, it's a good meeting. Even if you speak something dumb, it's still, it's, 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 it's still a good meeting because you expressed something to the Lord. Something of your love to the Lord. So, sisters, endeavor, endeavor to build up the habit. That's what it says. We, we, and desperately endeavor to build up the habit of speaking. Have the realization, this is really critical that we practice this and do this. Amen? Okay. Amen. So then, D says, we stay on the, on the way of life by enjoying the trying God as the law of the spirit of life. Amen. With the divine capacity. Praise the Lord. You know, we, we have, uh, and it's, it's expressed in this next point, in the Garden of Eden, with the two trees, we see life, good and evil. We're a miniature of a Garden of Eden. We have the law of the spirit of life in our spirit, the law of good in our natural independent mind, and the law of evil in our flesh. So if you read these verses in Romans uh, 7 and 8, there, there are three laws, right? You have in our flesh, in our members, there's a law of sin. There's sin in our members. And it's a law. The sin is there all the time. And in, the, in our mind, there's another law, and it's the law of good. Because we're created in God's image, we, we, we have the aspiration to be good. So you see the commandments and say, yeah, that's what I want to be like. Or somebody says you should do this, read the, you know, the, the Beatitudes or something. They say, yeah, I want to turn the other cheek and all this kind of stuff. And we have this kind of aspiration. 
But you know what? What is in our flesh is stronger than, than what's in our mind. But there's another part of us, our spirit, and it's the law of the spirit of life. That's God's spirit in our spirit. That is powerful. Right? So that's the tree of life. Sin in our flesh and good in our mind is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we're a little mini garden of Eden. We're, and we need to learn, we need to learn to exercise our spirit. Right? And it's, it, it's a law. You know, a law means, what law am I demonstrating? Law means, every time you do it, it works. If at one time it didn't work, it wouldn't be a law. Right? But every time, it works. That's a law. Every time you turn to your spirit, life is there. It's a law. Amen. So two says, we must switch on. Amen. Switch on the law of the spirit of life by walking according to the spirit and setting our mind on the spirit for the dispensing of the triune God as life into our tripartite being. Amen. We switch it on, exercise, walk in the spirit, set our mind on the spirit, then life can flow. And then E says, we stay on the way of life by living in resurrection, in the reality of the church as the body of Christ, signified by the golden lampstand. Oh my, this is, a, this is another big thing, but we're running out of time to get into that. And then, then the final Roman numeral is the unique way. Amen. The unique way for us to be overcomers is by eating and enjoying Christ as the tree of life so that we can be transformed in life to become the man-child for the display of Christ's victory and for us to become the bride for Christ's satisfaction. So we have all the references there that you can read. Now, sisters, what we would like to do now, 